The Fontenelle Final Bell Podcast is presented by Fontenelle Hybrids. The solutions you need, the relationships you trust. Good afternoon. Welcome to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield. Sean Hackett joins us, Hackett Financial Advisors. And we have lots to talk about today because there's so many fingers in the pot affecting the way we're going to see these markets trade. Not only what we saw in today's higher numbers, but just in the weeks and months to come. And I think to to really dive into it, Sean, it's the fact that we had USDA numbers come out today. Some questioning, as you would expect, these first set of numbers, because there really isn't any concrete to base these true numbers on at this point, correct? There really isn't. I mean, normally this report is a pretty standard report. We go with statistics because we don't have enough information. This year, because we're so late in planting, you know, we have even less information other than late planting normally had a tendency to produce below trend line yields, but, but that's all we know. That's all we can say. And so, you know, I think it's, I think it's safe to say that the 3 million acreage decline in planted acres, I think everyone knows, including the USDA, that that number is too low. I mean, it's, it's not down enough. It needs to be down more. But I don't think they can statistically say more than that with the US, with the June acreage report just a few weeks down the road. And so they were handcuffed a little bit today by saying, but by, by knowing probably the acres is, are too high right now, but knowing that they wanted to come up with an ending stocks that better reflected that. So the only way they could really legitimately do that was to knock yields down probably more than they really wanted to, to come up with the end result that they wanted. But at the same time, there's just no way that anyone can say whether 166 is a good number, it's too high, it's too low. We, we're just getting started. And so I think the market you know, didn't really react that strongly to that number. And if they really believed 166, if that was really something the market thought was true, we would have been up today, but we're not because there's too many, too many question marks whether that's actually going to happen or not. So, so for the producer who's looking at these numbers and really wondering and the realization of how did USDA come up with the baseline for these early reports? Well, normally it's, it's just a, a statistics. They go with the trend line yield because normally by this time of the year, weather, they don't have enough weather information. They go with what the planning intentions report did because usually planting gets done just fine, right? In this report, because it was such an unusual planting season, they felt compelled to move the acreage number down because we know for a fact it was so bad, but there's no way they can move it down enough. So, Statistically, they know three or four million acres are lost in past delayed planting season, so they went with that. In terms of the yield, um, I think what they did, um, and this is my speculation, normally they don't like to do this, but I think they, they said, we know we were delayed enough that we can look back at 1993 and 1995, you know, and look at some delayed planting seasons of the past and look at, you know, how you know how much were yields down? Um, you know, what, what would be the minimum expectation? And I think um, I'm trying to remember exactly what year it was, but I think one of the years we were down, you know, between five and seven percent below trend. So I think being conservative, they said, let's go with that number for now. Let's go with the three or four million acres for now, and let's just use that as the baseline that we can alter and change as future weather, future conditions, and obviously as we get more of an idea of exactly what was planted, what was pre-planted, and such forth. So I think that's probably how they came about with this number today to try to make the numbers work. But by no means was this an indication that they have a, a clear case cut 
on what the, the, the yields really are. I think they just say, look, we got to start somewhere. Let's start at 166 and let's go from there. So. so you talk about, you know, uh, looking at those numbers and giving you that baseline, and, and at least you have some ideas, but you alluded to the fact that these, Sean, are, are numbers that can very easily be changed. We've got, you know, weather volatility, we've got so many factors, and then, like I said earlier, fingers in the pot, that really this year could play with these USDA numbers. Well, sure, and, 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 and what, we're not, we're not, what we're not discussing um, is the fact that prior to all this um, weather problem and, and moving up, our exports, uh, corn exports, are, are just awful. In fact, and we had a normal planting season, it was expected that their export numbers for corn were 300 million to 400 million bushels too low. I mean, I mean they were too high on the export number that they would have to have added that to the 2.45 million bushel carryout that they've had been projecting prior. We, so there were many that were thinking we were looking at 2.8 billion bushel carry out for next season and everything gone well. So we have to keep in mind there's a lot of moving pieces. There's demand destruction. There's the fact that we're importing corn from Brazil that has been identified as the market moved towards the five-year highs. We have the idea that acres are likely going to come down quite a bit still. And we are, we're in a position with yields that they could go either way. So with all that in mind, you know, the only, thing, the only takeaway I think anyone can say from all of this is for now I think we're stuck in a trading range until the market knows more. Um, and, and so where we close today on July corn, something around 426, something like that, pretty much stabbed in the middle of the trading range we've, been developed, we've developed since this weather market began. And I think we're going to stay there until all these indicators we just discussed tip to the barrel or to the bullish side over the next 30, 60 days. Well, it's, re- it's really going to make the next set of USDA reports see if there's any changes in these numbers that the USDA came up with today. I'm sorry, what's that, Susan? I was going to say, it'll be interesting in this next report, then, to see if the USDA, what they do in changing those numbers. Well, we're going to have another month of weather in the, in the July report. You know, we're going to have um, a whole bunch more uh, idea of conditions, of demand. Um, we'll have the June acreage report out, which will be a little more clear about what actually got done, got done. Won't be perfect. Won't be the final, the final say, but it'll be a clearer say than the planting intentions report. So yeah, um, you know, I think, I think we are potentially looking at some, some of the more volatile month over month reports on USDA in quite some time because of all the uncertainty and changes that can go on. All of a sudden we turn hot and dry in August and, you know, the yields could go dramatically different. So, so I guess the bottom line from all of this is that you know, we're not going to have a sleepy, you know, summer. We just kind of drift along, get a little weather scary, like we've been doing this for four, five, six years. Stick around, folks. We do have more coming up. We'll talk more on these grains. Look at the livestock side of the trade as well. The Fontenelle Final Bell right here on the Rural Radio Network. Welcome back to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield. Sean Hackett joins us. Asking during the commercial break about this wheat market. We know a lot of rains right now in Oklahoma. Pretty soon we're going to see, you know, the wheat harvest underway. But then you brought up an interesting point uh, during the commercial break, Sean, that you said if anything can break out of the pack, it's this wheat market. Well, the, you know, wheat, the winter wheat's planted at a different time. It's harvested at a different time. And so it has different forces that are going on at different times. So it can act very independently. If everyone remembers last year, we had a big $1 increase in wheat from late June into late July, early August, and it kind of left corn and soybeans in the dust. Um, so we see a couple of things going on that could 
maybe provide a repeat performance of that. First thing is that we know that Oklahoma and Kansas are dealing with soil saturation levels at the 99 percentile, had incredible rains uh, during this late stage development, and now they're supposed to get ready to harvest winter wheat in those two key states. And the rains look to be not only continuing, but possibly getting even heavier over the next two to three weeks. And that's going to make for not only planting, I mean, harvesting delays, but it's going to substantially lower the quality of the, of the KC winter wheat crop. Um, and that means that there's going to be much less higher quality 12% protein KC wheat crop that the uh, buyers are looking for. And that could cause a pinch in the market. At the same time, similar to last year, Russia is dealing with a hot, dry pattern in the month of June as their crops nearing the end of its development phase, getting ready for harvest. And so that's what we had last year, too. We had that hot, dry Russia that really got the market going. So we have these, these two weather phenomena going on at the same time that we think if we move in here another week or two to really set this market off, um, we think quite strongly. And uh, remember, we had a very, very low global wheat crop last year, um, and we had enough stocks to handle it, but we can't really have a, a second bad year in a row for high-quality wheat and it looks like that might be ready to happen. So we're pretty constructive that winter wheat's in a good good spot and could take the baton over from corn and be the leader of the grain markets at least for the next 30 to 60 days. Let's switch gears. Let's jump over to the livestock side. We are in the month of June. June is dairy month, but I understand we're looking, maybe looking for some direction when it comes to the CME dairy prices right now. Well, we got some good news in terms of how this Mexican situation um, resolved itself. We don't know all the details, uh, but we do know that it appears uh, that based upon uh, what was agreed to that uh, Mexico is committed to buying a lot of agriculture um, in order to secure the border and other things that they committed to doing. But we do know that one of the three areas that they buy a lot of is cheese, non-fat dairy powder, and uh, pork, and so obviously we had this very strong reaction in hogs and cattle yesterday, and, and we're starting to see the the milk market, the cheese market, and the class three market start to push higher. And so, uh, to the extent that um, that we see some follow through, some actual tangible evidence uh, that we might get some near term buying from Mexico, who are such a large buyer uh, for those products, it means we could get an extra bump up here in the market that one you may not have been looking for to be even a better opportunity for farmers to sell. So that's kind of what looks to be happening right now based upon this very, very fast and fluid situation that happened with Mexico that seemed like it was all for naught, and then the last minute it all happened. <laughs> so, Looking at the cattle market, some strong pressure. I mean, we saw some really nice nice numbers earlier to start out the week, and now we're looking at USDA crop report having an effect a little bit on this cattle trade? Psychologically, at least on the feeder cattle market, you know, there's always going to be a short-term impact if the market fears that there's going to be a shortage of corn. And, and so we had some, some knee-jerk selling in the feeder cattle market that kind of dragged live cattle down. But overall, I mean, when it's all said and done, the corn market didn't really move up that much. Um, and, and so I think I think a lot of today's um, decline in at least the feeder cattle market was short-lived, and we think the buyers will be right back in the market tomorrow, realizing that maybe they overdid this. We think the cattle market's made a low here. We think demand's starting to pick up, and uh, and we think uh, uh, the outlook for um, for higher cattle prices heading into the mid late summer looks pretty good from um, a pretty nasty long liquidation swashbuckle we've seen over the last couple of months. Sean, could the cash prices though 
pick up some speed, or are we going to continue to see some some sluggish numbers in the weeks to come? I think they're going to pick up. I do think they're going to start picking up. You know, I think everyone's been sort of waiting for the market to bottom. You know how that works, hand to mouth. Everyone sees the market falling every day. Why should we stick our, our nose in there and buy? And, and then all of a sudden, the market you know does what it did yesterday, and it's the, you know people start to get nervous that maybe they the bottom is in, and all of a sudden people come in and start rushing to buy what they probably should have bought a few weeks ago. So we do think demand will start to pick up more. We think the cash market will get more uh, more dynamic, and we think that that's going to be a feature that's going to help drive the the, uh, the livestock market, the cattle market higher you know, over the next 30, 60 days. All right, sounds good. What's the best way for folks to get a hold of you, Sean? Our website's always the best at Hackett, H-A-C-K-E-T-T, advisors.com. All kinds of good information on what we do and how we do it and to see if our way of looking at things might be of value to your listeners. All right, sounds good. That is the look at the Fontenelle final bell being brought to you by Fontenelle and all the local dealers right here on the Rural Radio Network.